Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Well, well, well. High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours here on SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, our own little two-hour corner of the world mm-hmm. that we call Steelers Blitz. You call it the electric factory. You already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours, you can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler and at DaBody52. Motsi, we got some good, some positive things to talk about on the show today. We do. Some, uh, and you know, you and I, we we operate in the uh, the happiness column. You know, we try to, right? We don't like to. Uh, We're not Debbie Downers, right? Exactly. We don't like to dwell. We don't like to uh, poo-poo. We don't like to pout. We like to be happy guys. But I gotta tell you, I'm a little bummed this afternoon as we sit here on just a gorgeous Thursday afternoon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because if things were normal in the world right now mm-hmm. we'd be doing this out we'd be taking this broadcast outside sunshades would be on to the upmc rooney sports complex feet would be kicked up on the south side of pittsburgh pennsylvania smelling the beautiful green grass in mr rooney's backyard hopefully not getting rained on like that one time because that was bad that was not cool <laughs> <laughs> we would be uh day two of otas correct, correct. Yes. today would have normally been day two of otas so that means you well, and i would no no no. this would have been day three day three because it's tuesday, tuesday, tuesday right yeah. that's right see again three. remember there's only three days during you're this right. whole quarantine stuff there's yesterday there's today and there's tomorrow so you're right today would be mm-hmm. day three and man, I'm just looking out the window it's a here. Day. Oh, and it man. would be a great day to be outside for some football. I mean, it's mid 70s. There's barely any clouds in the sky. Just a nice little breeze. It's a, it's a little sad, Mozi. It is, man. <laughs> I, I'm missing the football, man. Some some football today would be fantastic. But at least we got two hours here to still talk some football. Uh, we got a whole bunch to get into. Ramon Foster. Uh, He's writing articles now. He's working for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Ramon Foster wrote a really good piece on Mason Rudolph and patience with young quarterbacks that I want to discuss with Arthur Motes today. We've got a list of seven players who are locks to play better in 2020 than they did in 2019. We will get to that as well. You already know it's a little three-question Thursday Uh on the program today as well, Arthur Motes. But we start with some big news. The NFL has approved... Rooney rule changes, and they have maybe I will say tabled. Yes, that's what they yeah tabled. Minority hiring incentives. So NFL owners have approved new measures. This was on Tuesday, so two days ago, aimed at improving diversity in coaching and front office hiring. But some of that stuff that Moats and I discussed last week, right? Um, the awarding of draft picks Correct. and comp picks and moving up in the draft with minority head coaching and general manager hires. They stopped short of approving a resolution that would have rewarded minority hiring with draft pick compensation. So, NFL rules stipulate, right, that 24 of 32 teams must vote to approve a resolution in order for it to go into effect. So, again, the tabling of the draft pick resolution it just probably indicates that it didn't have enough support to pass at the time. But Roger Goodell did say that that was not the case, that there was a great deal of support, to quote Roger Goodell there, mm-hmm. um, but also some suggestions, amendments, and thoughts 
that we we you know might want to strengthen it differently than we originally intended. Yeah, man. Um, when you're looking at the proposal, what we mm-hmm. talked about in terms of the third round draft pick incentives moving up and things like that, initially the African or not even African Americans, but more so the minority voice coaches, potential executives, they weren't very fond of it because they felt that it would undermine their accomplishment. They would undermine the hire. Now, with the new rule in terms of what they're doing uh, and making it mandatory where you have to interview two minority candidates for a head coach position, one minority candidate for a general management position, you have to uh, interview one minority candidate or a female candidate for any senior football executive position. I think that is a better approach for right now. I still don't think it's the complete answer, but I do think it's a better step initially than the heavy handed approach. But the thing that I still feel is the most fundamental flaw in the whole situation is Roger Goodell. He said that it's tabled and he wanted to reiterate the fact and hit home the fact that it wasn't due to a lack of votes, meaning they could have passed it. Mm -hmm. But the flaw is this. You have the people in terms of the owners who have been struggling with the Rooney rule, who haven't been hiring minorities. When you look at the past two years, eight coaching head coaching availabilities in 2018, only one was filled by Brian Flores. You look at 2019, five coaching vacancies, only one filled by minority, Ron Rivera. The fact is those same owners that are trying to amend their flaws, they're not opening up the door for the minority voice to even speak on what they feel is just or unjust in that department. I think that's the the most fundamental issue right there. That'd be like, hey, Wes, I wronged you, and I'm wronging a lot of people that are like you. And it's because of my actions. So you know what? I'm going to do something to make it better. But I'm not going to ask you how you feel about it. I'm not going to want to get your input on it. I'm going to handle this myself. So even though my intention is good, the method can still be very damaging to you. Yes. And I think that's something that the NFL and Roger Goodell need to tread very carefully in because you would hate to do something with the intent of it being good, but the method ultimately setting back that progress that you're trying to make. And you think incentivizing with draft picks would have been that type I, of situation? I definitely do. I, I mean, you heard – my feelings on it, you've heard Lewis Riddick's feelings yep. on it, you heard Anthony Lynn's feelings on it, and those are two prominent candidates. Well, one already is a head coach, but one was a prominent GM head coach uh, candidate or GM candidate. And to hear them voice that same displeasure is very true. I mean, it's no different, Wes, if, we, we, if, they, if you found out, Wes, you were only hired here because they were going to get a <laughs> bonus – because or, or my, some, hair, my or, hair is so fantastic, they were going to get they, a good they, hair They were going to get some type of incentive because they hired you. How would you feel about that? You would feel less qualified. If I'm looking at you across from uh, the microphone, I'm going to say, well, he's not that good. He's only here because of this. Because X, Y, and Z. And yeah. then if anything negative transpires, you're only here. We're only keeping you because of this. And I don't think that's a fair um, – analysis of your ability I don't think that's a fair analysis of these coaches or potential GM's abilities that are minorities I think that that's the the fundamental flaw in this whole argument is you're undermining a guy who or or woman mm-hmm. who have worked extremely hard to become qualified to even be in this role and I think that you have to include them in this conversation you have you can't just leave it as owners only 
because it's not enough owners that are minorities. There's only one. We spoke on it, Shaq Khan, that, that I know of. So in that regard, how are you truly having the minority voice represented in these meetings? It is bizarre to me, right, that with these new measures, it's like they're acknowledging that there's an unacceptable record, right, of minority hiring in positions of leadership. But they're acknowledging it while also kind of being like, well, we got to put in a rule to fix it when they're the ones making the decisions, right? It, it, it's a, it, it's, I, I don't know what like a real world example of that would be. It'd be like if I kept complaining that I was, I don't know. We've talked a lot about smoking meats, right? And grilling mm -hmm. out on the show the last two weeks. We have. It'd be, we like, have. It'd be like if I was complaining that I was overcooking my ribs, right? Every time I was making them or I'm overcooking my steaks or my chicken or whatever. But I want the grill to put in <laughs> a, a sensor or a blocker or some kind of regulator that's going to prevent me from overcooking my meat instead of just learning how to correct be a better grill master. Absolutely, man. It, it's it's a weird it's a weird dynamic to me in that way. It is, man. And this situation is always going to be very unique, very sensitive, just for the simple fact that. You have half the people that acknowledge, okay, there is an issue in terms of the disparity, in terms of the lack of diversity in the coaching and general manager and senior executive positions. There is a flaw. Half people will admit it. The other half turn a blind eye to it and say that, hey, man, I don't see any issue. The only people that are there are hired because they're supposed to be there. They want to just hire somebody for the sake of hiring them because of their color. No, no, they're only going to hire the best people. Let's be real. If that was the case, you would see more diversity. If that was the case, these owners wouldn't even be admitting to the fact that there is this issue. You think that they want to bring this on themselves? You think they want to talk about this? They could have easily swept that under the rug and never said anything about it. But themselves are looking in the mirror and saying, hey, we are doing something wrong. We are having a disservice to them. We're providing a disservice to the minority population, the minority you know, uh, um, groups that are trying to hop into this field and, and move up. We have to address this. So when I hear people say that this isn't an issue, people are, I mean, they're hiring the best candidates anyways, I, I, I think they're full of crap because yeah. there's no way that the people in that role can be admitting that there's an issue and you not see that issue. So if you turn a blind eye to it, that doesn't make it go away. Just because you put a rug over something that smells bad is still going to smell bad. <laughs> At the end of the day, you have to get to the root issue. And I do, like I said, I do feel this is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still a lot more work that needs to be done for it to be where it needs to be fully. So some of the uh, the new measures that they <clears throat> they they did approve, right? Among them, um, teams are now required to interview at least two candidates from outside their organization for any vacant head coaching job, and at least one minority candidate from outside their organization for any vacant offensive, defensive, or special teams coordinator job. The NFL changed its anti-tampering policy to relax the rules that have allowed teams to deny assistant coaches and executives the opportunity to interview for jobs with other organizations. I think that's a big one. Absolutely. Big one there. Uh, that was approved on Tuesday. Again, uh, the NFL, the system that prohibits a club from denying an assistant coach the opportunity to interview with a new team for a bona fide offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or special teams position and... Also, a non-high-level, non-secondary 
football executive uh, from interviewing for an assistant general manager position. General. As general. <laughs> I know I said that. I didn't say that funny. That was a weird pronunciation. General. The general. For a great rule, wait, you could get online, go to the general, and save some time. The Rooney Rule is also expanded to apply to a number of executive positions as well, too, which is fantastic, right? So not just head coach. And as Arthur Motes mentioned, they are now required to interview minorities and or female applicants as well, too. Which I think is huge. And a lot of times people get so caught up in minority and they just isolate it as African-American. There's so many more minority groups out there. When you look at the different racial demographics, when you look at the different genders, mm-hmm. it's, it's far bigger than just African-Americans. So I always think it's important that we word it as minority, not African-American or black. And each of the 32 NFL teams will establish a minority coaching fellowship program. The coaching fellowships are to be full-time positions, one or two years in length, and are to, and I quote here, provide NFL legends, minority, and female participants with hands-on training in NFL coaching. Step in the right direction, Arthur Motes. I, I just, like I said, it's it's like I'm I'm blaming the grill for overcooking my meats and I want a regulator put on there when I could just be doing something differently. But it's a step in the right direction. And I, I think we said this last week, but I do want to say this one more time here before I, I turn it over to you for final thoughts. I like that we're in Pittsburgh doing this show on SNR with the Steelers where we can be brutally honest about this because we we have we have an owner that has has been involved with all this stuff for a long time going back a long time a, a family that has prided themselves on this for a long time and I know there's probably a lot of people in different NFL cities who are having these discussions who maybe can't speak as candidly as we can because their owner hasn't always done the right thing or doesn't have the track record. I mean, imagine if you're in Detroit. Remember, Detroit was the only team in the history of the Rooney Rule that's been fined for not abiding by it Mm -hmm. when they hired Steve Mariucci. I mean, so when you look at that, yeah, it's a lot of places where their radio personalities are very uncomfortable having this conversation. They don't feel that they're backed by their organization and that department. But here we are very fortunate because Mr. Rooney – And God bless uh, his soul, but Dan Rooney as well. They were big in terms of getting this created. They were big in terms of making sure that it it has not died out. And now they're even bigger because they can admit to the fact that, hey, initially it was working, initially it was successful. But just like any rule that's created, over time it does need to be revisited. It does need to be updated. You know, you see that every year the NFL has competition committee meetings because every year, every league, you has ha- that, absolutely yeah. you have to evaluate the situation to see. Okay, are these rules are they still effective? Is this something that we need to adjust? Are there something that something new that came out that we should adapt? So I think all of those things play into this. But the biggest thing, man, is the fact that we are taking the steps. Mm-hmm. The fact that we are acknowledging acknowledgement is the first thing. I mean, anytime you have a flaw and you're trying to figure out how can I get better, if you live in denial, then you're never going to be able to truly find out what it is you're doing wrong and how could you improve on it. So acknowledging that they have a flaw is the first step. I'm extremely excited about that. And overall, man, I'm just ready to see how this thing progresses and if we can get better results from this because there's no reason that if there was, what, eight last year, five this year, you do the math, that's, what, 13, 13 spots, 13 head coaching vacancies, and only two were filled by minority candidates, and one was a guy who was already a head coach in the NFL that same season. Like, to me, I just – I don't understand how that's acceptable 
when you look at the the countless amount of minority coaches who are more than qualified. Mm -hmm. And don't hit me with the the smoke and mirrors of, well, that guy, maybe he just didn't want the job. Maybe he just didn't. Okay, so for every one that doesn't want it, I can show you 30 more that does want it. 100 more that do want it. So don't give me that, and not just at the NFL level, at the collegiate level, because it's not as if we only are seeing NFL coaches getting hired in terms of coordinators and position coaches and special teams Mm -hmm. coordinators. No, no, no. We're seeing collegiate coaches getting plucked right from the college area, and we've seen it back-to-back years now. So please don't give me that nonsense either. Yeah, and, Matt, because and Matt Rule was at a big-time college football program exactly. for three seasons. And Cliff Kingsbury, he did so much winning at the collegiate level. I mean, oh, my goodness. he he, he National championship on top of national championship, of course. Man had a losing season with Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback. So, so for me, that's my biggest issue when people try to sweep this under the rug by saying those things to try to justify what we are seeing take place because that's that's not acceptable. I like how you bring the college element into it. Yeah, I, there's – I want to say – I could be off here, but I think 170-something Division One college football programs. Does that sound right to you? That sounds about right, but more importantly, as long as James Madison is in there, I, I, I mean, <laughs> the rest of it doesn't matter. 13 minority head coaches in Division One college football. So mm-hmm. al- almost 200 programs, Yeah, 13 minority head coaches. And, and you were talking about some of those numbers with mm-hmm. the, the openings and the candidates. Yes. I bet you if we looked at general managers, it would probably be even worse than, than head coaches. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, a, a move in the right direction. And, again, I'm just glad that I feel like we're on a radio station here where we, we can have these conversations honestly and and with a fan base that I think will, uh, will you know, will listen intently and, and honestly as well, too. Well, and when you think about Steely Nation, Steely Nation is very diverse. So, the people that we are communicating to. It's a to, national fan base. Right. They understand both sides of this. They, in in I mean, to be blunt about it, they can understand oppressor and being oppressed. They can understand both elements. We have a, a huge woman following as well. So they can, uh, they have a voice in this element as well, and they can understand the different things that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I think this is a conversation that a lot of people can relate to, and a lot of people want to hear. They want yes. these things spoken of. And I think that it's our right. It's our right Absolutely. To, to get up here on this platform and do that. Absolutely. That's why I, that's why I love being here with you, man. See, look, we're like our civic duty. We're like peas and carrots, obligated. <laughs> you got any thoughts? You know where to chime in on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. When we come back here, Arthur Motes, seven players who are locks to play better in twenty twenty than they did in twenty nineteen. We'll discuss. We'll debate with your thoughts when we return. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is the Electric Factory. On a Thursday, having some fun, rolling along. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. First hour of the program here today. Some Rooney Rule discussion there in the first segment. And Arthur Motes, it is. You know, I, I, like, I get it. For some people, they, I, I don't know. I, I, what the right term that I'm looking for is <laughs> without, you know, turning this into a completely different type of, uh, you know, discussion from, mm-hmm. a, from just veering a complete 90-degree angle off a sports discussion. 
Like, there's always going to be those people that, you know, like, just talk sports, you know, but this is part of that. Like, it always has been and it always will be, and the longer you deny that, you, you're just, you're kidding yourself. You're lying to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always find it funny when people are like, hey, man, just stick to sports. Don't make it politics. Don't make it this and that, but sports includes everything. And equality is also not political. Correct. Like, equality doesn't vote Republican or Democrat. <laughs> that's what it always that's what always kills me is when you're right. When when people say don't make it political and it's not political. It's not like we're sitting here talking about candidates and policies. We're talking about equality. Mm-hmm. That's not political. But equality conversations make people uncomfortable. Correct. And that's the issue. And that everybody likes to have conversations that make them feel uncomfortable. But we just Living that, ba- well, that's not, I mean, that's not true. Let's be honest here. 95% of the time, we're just complete goofballs. You got to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Coach Tomlin told me that one day. That's right. You know, sometimes you got to be serious. You know, sometimes you got to you got to put the laughs aside for a little bit. And, and some and, days you got to cut your eyelids off. Right. In and the face of adversity. Other days you got to cut your hair. I mean, you and I have still been waiting Man. two months for that. We're holding out. We don't want to get in trouble. Just picture Big Ben's beard on top of my head. That's in mine, what too. What it's <laughs> We've talked, speaking of Big Ben, maybe I can use that as a transition here, hey, right? I like what you did there. We've talked a lot about a bounce back year, and, and you and I kind of kicked that around, right? Like, what is a bounce back year? What does a comeback year, right, really mean? Does it mean that you missed because of an injury? Did is, does it mean that you underperformed? Does it mean that you were suspended for something and then you come back? Whatever, you know, I, there was that day where we kicked around what it means to be comeback player of the year, right? But bounce back, I think, is a little bit different of a discussion. Bounce back is obviously just somebody who had a a year that they thought was underwhelming, maybe other people thought was underwhelming, and they want to have a a stronger follow-up season the next year. So there's a story on NFL.com, Arthur Motes, by Gil Brandt. Guaranteed locks, all right? Seven players that are locked into having a better 2020 than they are in 2019. And there's some okay. really interesting names on here that I want to discuss with you. Number one on his list, guaranteed lock to have a better year in 2020 than he did last season. Oh, He might be number 19 in your programs, but he's number one in your hearts. Hey. Juju Smith-Schuster. Last okay, year, 12 okay. games, 42 receptions, 552 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Arthur Motes, Juju Smith-Schuster, I guess we'll do this like fact fiction style, right? Okay, let's do it. Lock to have a better season in 2020 than he did in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Um, am I allowed to elaborate on this oh, 100%. fact or fiction? 100%. Okay, cool. But yeah, man, the reason I think that uh, he's a lock is you look at the pieces that are going to be around him. It's going to take a lot more pressure off of him. The emergence of Deontay Johnson. Obviously, James Washington had a very successful season last year. You're bringing in Chase Claypool. That's going to open up things for Juju as well. Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald. The offense, I mean, in theory, is stacked with talent yep. right now, especially compared to last year. <clears throat> so when you're factoring those things, it only means that Juju is going to see less attention. Less attention equals better opportunities for him. And now he's going to have a healthy Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball to him versus Mason Rudolph or Doug Hodges, who are trying to find themselves in the NFL. So I think all of those things equate to him being a far better player this season now i don't want people to think that far better player or more impactful player means 
drastically better statistics because I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but his impact will be felt greater this year than it was in the previous years. That's what I mean. Think think 2017 Antonio Brown didn't have the crazy amount of yards. Obviously, he had the touchdowns, but his impact was the fact that he was drawing attention. He was opening up things for other people. I think Juju's role and his impact is going to be a lot similar to that. I think so, too. That That's actually a really good kind of comparison, a parallel there for you that obviously hits home here locally. Yeah, I think it behooves the offense, and you and I would both like to see it. Like We want to see them spread that rock around. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. want to see them have more success in the run game. Obviously, Eric Ebron and Vance McDonald being a factor. We all are hoping and expecting Deontay Johnson to take a substantial step forward. There's going to be some mouths to feed on that offense. So mm-hmm. you're right. It, it might not be – you might not look at the end of next season and look at Juju's stat line and just be blown away. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the impact that he has on the field is certainly a lock to be better in 2020 than it was in 2019. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Number two on the list – we're staying in the division here, Motsi. A guy that you and I have discussed a lot. We spent some time discussing yesterday, in fact. Quarterback, Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield. Mm. 2019 stats, played all 16 games, 59.4 completion percent. Oh, man, I didn't realize it was sub 60%. That is, that's not so, that. Whoa. That's not good. It's not good at all. 59.4 completion percentage, uh, a little, just a shade over 3,800 passing yards, and a 22 to 21 touchdown to interception ratio, 78.8 passer rating. Arthur Motes, fact or fiction, Baker Mayfield will have a better 2020 than he did 2019. Um, I think he should just because he's going to have a way better situation around him from a coaching standpoint obviously Freddie Kitchens we all can agree was in above his head he was he, not qualified yeah he, he very much wasn't which goes back to <laughs> man it all comes man. full circle <laughs> wow it all comes full circle but <laughs> wait hold on you mean to tell me that a guy that went from man. quarterback coach to offensive coordinator to head coach in less than 12 months might wow. not have been qualified wow I'm shocked yeah so with that being the case, I do think that Baker's going to have a better situation around him um, with Stefanski being the uh, the head coach down there. I mm-hmm. think that he presents more stability, more of a calming presence that I think that he needs in terms of Baker Mayfield. I also think that, which happens a lot of times in life, you have success, you kind of lose your humility a little bit, then you have some adversity that happens after that success and it humbles you and makes you appreciate it more. I think we saw that with Baker last year. I mean, you saw he was that first year and then obviously the offseason that led into that second year, all the commercials, all of the fanfare, all of the wolf tickets that he was selling. And then you saw he actually, I mean, he was very humbled in terms of how the season went. So I think in that department, all of those factors play into him being a better person, him being in a better situation. And I think that helps him out. And then also the fact that he's going to have Kareem Hunt from the beginning of the season now, Mm -hmm. along with Nick Chubb, that's scary. Yeah, you look at that offense, and I'm going to say that Baker Mayfield will have a better 2020. I I still don't think he'll ever reach that, you know, some of that Drew Brees potential Mm -hmm. that we were talking about. But I think he's going to be a quarterback, uh, you know, a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Top 15 guy, top 12, top 15 guy. Yeah, easily. Oh, what I was going to say, uh, I, I want to add to the fact that another thing that I think drastically helps Baker 
is they improved the offensive line. That's that's where I was going to. The the offensive line element, mm-hmm. right? You bring in Jack Conklin, you, your first round pick is Jedrick Wills. You and I have talked about that a little bit, how I think Conklin is a very good run blocker, a little mm-hmm. overrated in pass protection. Jedrick Wills, a guy who only played the right side, so you have two right side guys, but better than last season. Way better. Certainly. You add Austin Hooper into the mix. That's major. And, Motsi, if you believe a lot of the talk from people in the know, and one of them, Matt Williamson, who used to work in the Browns organization, one of our colleagues here on SNR, Odell Beckham Jr. was never healthy last season. Correct. So if you're telling me he's going to get an improved OBJ on top of an improved offensive line on Austin Hooper as well, a full season of Hunt and Chubb in the backfield, a at least more competent head coach, Correct. then, I, yeah, I don't see how he couldn't have a, air quotes, better 2020. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Even though it is funny, I like how people, when they're speaking of Odell Beckham and the Browns, is 50-50 on if you would allow him to use the injury excuse. But when we're talking <laughs> Steeler players, oh, we're quick to drop the, oh, this guy was hurt. Oh, he played through, but he was still banged up. I'm like, whoa. Okay, I see what's going on a little. I see the hypocrisy here. Yeah, I don't think people like to hear this, um, but I expect OBJ to have a big year this year. I do too. I, 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 think, I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong from last year, and that one will be interesting to follow. Last one here before we go to break. It would just keep the big names rolling. Oh, wow. One quarterback who took his talents, not to South Beach, but same state. <laughs> <laughs> and like LeBron, left crappy weather to move to sunny Florida. Can't blame him. Thomas Brady, 2019, played all 16 games, uh, 61% completion percentage, just a shade over 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and a 88.0 passer rating. I don't know about this one because I think – I wouldn't say he had a bad year. La- I think he just, that just kind of is what he is at this point. If Tom Brady goes again for over 4,000 passing yards and 25 Come on, man. Pass, you know perception and reality aren't the same. Right. But everybody says that, oh, man, the Patriots didn't win in the playoffs. They got beat by the Titans. They didn't have the one seed. Brady's falling off. They suck. His la- I do love the fact that his last pass as a Patriot was a pick six. Yeah, man. <laughs> Two – Logan Ryan. Mm. Mm. It's funny how that works. But I just, yeah, I this one to me, like, I'm going to say it's fiction, but I'm saying it's fiction because I don't think Tom Brady had a bad year last year. And I think, again, if he if he throws for over 4,000 yards and 25 touchdown passes, I mean, that's going to be enough for Tampa Bay to win a lot of football games. When we're talking about players that are a lot to play better, we don't really judge Brady on regular season statistics. <laughs> right. We judge Brady His on postseason. Yeah. So when I look at this question in terms of Brady being a lock to be better, I say to myself, is he going to win more than one playoff game in Tampa, whereas last year he got knocked out in the wild card round? I feel like the answer is yes. Hmm. I think that they have enough pieces on offense and defense to do more than just win a couple of games. I think they have a chance to get some nice seeding in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and get some very favorable matchups. Now, am I calling them Super Bowl champs? I'm not going that far. But I do think that they can be very successful. So that's the only reason why I say, yes, he will be better. But from a statistical standpoint, he could throw for 4,500 yards. It's still not going to be any difference. He had 24 touchdowns, eight picks. Think about that, 24 to 8. 3 to 1 ratio. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. So, if it's he goes 25 and 7 <laughs> like, like, next year, like, like yeah. come on, man. What are we talking about here? 
So in that regard, I don't view the statistical thing as better or worse, but I look at him as Brady is gauged on what he does postseason. And I do think he will have more success in the postseason this upcoming season than he did last year with the uh, Patriots. It's an astute observation by you, Arthur Motes. I like it, and I concur. My, I, yeah, my. I, I think they, they've got a really good chance to at least, hey, win a playoff game, which would be yes. better than last season in New England. I mean, the NFC, you know, it's, you know, you get some favorite matchups over there now. You could, depending on how there, there's hey, some, yeah. there's some dogs. Yeah, but there's some at the bottom. Right, some, right, some favorable right. matchups. Like you don't want to see, you know, San Francisco or Seattle. Correct, but you, but, but, but you get the, the way that playoff seeding is going to be set up now. Okay, you got your one seed, so if you're not a one seed, say the Saints, or you can say the Niners get the one seed. Two, three, four, you're not going to see each other now. Whereas in the past, in the past, Mm -hmm. come on, man, like you're going to get some bad matchups. Whereas now you're like, oh, we're going to get a duck. (laughs) I mean, no, not not like a duck, (laughs) but I see what you did. You you catch what what I'm saying, man. Wait, hold on. I didn't know that Devlin was playing in the NFC now. Not not like that. Which team? We we typically like to call in, in the in the sports world in the yeah, football world yeah. you you uh, an inferior opponent you like to call him a duck that's the duck right there we about to get him yeah four more names on this list that we will get to when we return also your tweets at Wesley Euler at the body fifty two the body it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Bounce back seasons in 2020 is our uh, topic du jour here. We discussed Juju Smith-Schuster. We discussed two polarizing quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady. I really know too diff- not too much of a difference between Baker Mayfield and Tom Brady, you know? No, no, no. I mean, no, both just guys that, you know, play quarterback. You know, yeah, and, and you know, like to go out and party and drink a lot of beer and they're they have very commercials. They're very vocal and they have com- Yeah, you know, Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield very, very similar. Very similar. Yeah. Just trying to think of any differences. I guess maybe in the jewelry, in the hardware. Mm. <laughs> Rolling along with this list here, Motsi, uh another New England Patriot. Running back Sony Michelle, and I like this one, right? Last year, full 16 games from Sony Michelle, 247 carries, 912 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, and then 12 catches for 94 yards as well. Uh, in 2018, right, in the playoffs as a rookie, Michelle took oh, yeah, off. Absolutely. I mean, took off. And then one of the reasons why they were successful that year. Last year. I don't know. That Patriots offense was just bizarre last year. Like, it's mm-hmm. like they were still trying to have Tom Brady be the guy, but he didn't have any weapons, but they weren't running the ball as well as they usually do. But, yeah, with Tom Brady out of the fold, whether it's you know it's going to be Jared Stidham or, or some unknown, the Patriots are going to have to run the ball more, right, run the ball better. I think for that reason alone, 247 carries, I would expect that to be up over 300 for, for Michelle this season. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to have more carries. Now, are you saying you think he's going to be better, though? Hmm. Cause you just danced around that. Ooh, Cause you're right. Cause there's it's kind of a two part. It's a it's it a is. it's a like le- just legitimately being better and a better stat line. Correct. Right. Because like I think Juju will be better, but but we kind of agreed that his stat line might not. Mm-hmm. It's not going to blow you out of the water. Correct. Hmm. 
last year, 912 rushing yards. Seven touchdowns, 12 catches, 94 yards. Do I expect him to be better? I don't know. I probably expect him to be about the same, which okay. is which is still, you know, a, a very good, like not great, but a very good right. NFL running Quality, back. Yeah. And yeah, if if he was almost scratching the surface at a thousand yards last year, I bet he breaks that this year. And I bet you double digit rushing touch 10, 11 okay. rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I, I don't know how much better he will get as an individual football player, but okay. I think his stat, like his fantasy football value yeah. will be much better. I what, think this, what is where, say you? this is where we differ. Okay. I think he takes a big step back because wow. you have to think, he got those numbers with Tom Brady at quarterback. Good point. So regardless of the weapons around Brady, you respect Tom Brady. You've seen him make Chris Hogan into a multimillionaire. You've seen him turn Julian Edelman into a fringe Hall of Famer. You've Hold seen, on now. I mean, I'm just saying. That's, I, that's, no, that's what they a lot of people would argue that. You yeah. and I put that to bed last year, I think. Right. But. So in that regard, you would have to respect that, and there were certain things you could not do to the box in Great terms of by you. how many players you have out there. Remember, they still have Philip Dorsett, who was still being successful-ish and, and things like that. No Brady, that threat goes away. You can talk to me till you're blue in the face about Jared Steedham. Until I see him do it for 16 games, I do not care. So in that department, unless they go out there and sign Cam Newton, there isn't a quarterback I personally think on the market right now that they can pick up that's going to make me feel nervous. Now, if they trade for, say, a Josh Rosen, that's different. You, you might can have an argument because there were reports out there that the uh, Miami Dolphins were fielding offers for Rosen. Now, if that happens, okay, it's a different conversation. But as things sit today, I don't see them being scared of Jared Steedham. I see them packing the box and making Jared Steedham have to beat them. Yes. And I don't think he can right now. So mm. if that's the case, Sony can have, you know, double the, the amount of carries. I think his yardage goes down, though. I think his touchdowns go down. And depending on how he can sustain those heavy blows, it could be a mm. – not as a slight, but think how James Conner, right, when he's sure. – when. The years where he didn't have everybody out there, right? Last year, he's facing heavy boxes. So even though he's a good back, when you're facing seven, eight men in the box, you don't have enough for that. And I think that's something that Sony could face. And their offensive line in New England historically has never been just this dominant offensive line. It was They've more had good so pieces. They but, have good yeah. pieces, and Brady gets rid of the ball on schedule. Mm hmm. Jared Steedham, you're hoping that he can pick that up. You're hoping that well, he can adjust to that. Or two. Exactly, and you have to factor in what what is he not having right now? OTAs. Great point. What, what's in what's in jeopardy right now? Training camp. So those factors are all holding back Jared Steedham, which ultimately weighs negatively on Sonny Michelle. So even though he's going to get more touches. Hmm. I don't think he's going to have more rushing guards. I don't think he's going to have more rushing touchdowns. And, I mean, obviously last year with Brady, he only had 12 catches. So maybe that part of increasing his game. So we looked at it differently. Yeah. I, I like – see, this is this is the yin and yang, baby. He knows what we do. So I looked at it as Brady's gone. That's more opportunity for everybody else. Mm -hmm. You look at it as Brady's gone. That means somebody else is going to be the focal point of the offense Correct. from the defensive game plan. Yeah, hey, oh, that's that's fair. That's yeah, because if I'm walking fair. into a game on defense and Brady's there, I'm figuring out, okay, what coverages can we not play? Let's go ahead right. and X those out right now because we know Brady will eat this up. Okay, now that that's over with, now I'm saying to myself, all right, who, who are we going to allow to get off today? We're not going to allow Brady to do it. We're not going to allow this receiver to do it. Okay, let's let Sony go off. 
we'll let them play seven man boxes, six man boxes. Have have a little fun with that, right? Mm-hmm. But now, I'm saying, shoot, we've seen Sony. We know what he can do. Let's make Jared beat us. It's going to be the same strategy that we saw from teams <laughs> against the Steelers, right? Yeah, the last absolutely. Six, seven games yeah. of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They Score were like, "Hey, man, make them and make them, make them have to throw the ball. Make them yeah. have to throw the ball." All right, you got me backtracking. I changed my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Another young running back is number five on Ooh. the list, and I like this guy. I do too. Miles Sanders. I like him a lot. Yeah, running back out of Philadelphia last year, all sixteen games, only one hundred and seventy-nine carries for over eight hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, three touchdowns on the ground, 50 catches, f- over just a little over 500 receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns. Uh, for I think for most rookie running backs, that's a really good stat line. When you consider that he came in with Darren Sproles still there and, and Jordan Howard still there, and uh, he kind of had to wait to really get you know a few weeks to get that opportunity. I think that's by all you know by all measures a successful rookie season for Miles Sanders. So. This I think he's on this list, right? He doesn't necessarily have to bounce back. They're just saying he's a lock to have a better year this year than he did last year. I guess this one kind of works along the same lines of the conversation we were just having. Like mm-hmm. Teams are going to prepare more for Miles Sanders than they did last season. I also think, though, that the offense for him now, you get Alshon Jeffrey back. You get Deshaun Jackson back. You're, Marquise you're, Goat went through you're, trade. You're, you're Zach Ertz. Like, let's be real here. The Eagles, and again, you know, it's football. It happens. It's it's not an excuse. You are what your record says you are. But man, that offense was just decimated by injuries last year. Similar to the Steelers, right? It was it was those. I think it was something in the water here in Pennsylvania, <laughs> mm-hmm. apparently for for players on the offensive side of the football. So. <laughs> There's going to be more of Carson Wentz spreading the rock around, mm-hmm. I would think. But, yeah, I expect Miles Sanders to improve uh, as a player and I think on the stat line as well, too. So so I'm going to go fact. He will he will have a better 2020 than he did 2019. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think Miles Sanders is in line for one of those breakout-type years because Carson Wentz, first off, is a far better quarterback than Jared Steedham as of today. You, I feel a lot more confident. I'm sure. I mean, I know you're a Carson Wentz lover, <laughs> so it's not even a debate right here. But I think that helps out Miles that much more because he's going to be facing those thinner boxes. You can't pack the box versus Carson Wentz when you name the receivers that they just named. I think those guys are, are huge assets. But then I'll take it another step further. Philadelphia did a great job in terms of upgrading their defense this year also. So that plays into a role because now when the Eagles are getting the ball, they're going to get more opportunities with the ball. They're also not going to have to worry about playing from behind every time now either. So all those things factor into Miles being able to be featured a lot more, being able to get more touches and having more space to operate in. Yeah. And I think when we talk about just his story in terms of how he came into the league, he was backing up Saquon Barkley at Penn State. So – yeah, if you go from Saquon to Miles, you're not even <laughs> going to talk about Miles in that same vein when it comes to drafting him. Right. It's just different. But this kid can ball. And he's kind of been waiting for that. He sat behind he has, Saquon yes. Barkley. He's been waiting for that opportunity. Yeah, so so I think now you're going to really get a chance to see him truly play to his full potential. And with Doug Peterson there also, man, I think that that helps him out because it's stability. He has everything that you need in place 
for him to be successful. I mean, obviously they drafted the tackle. I forgot his name. Andre Dillard. Yeah, Andre Dillard. So that helps out the offensive line because Jalen Rager as well too yes, on that offense. Yes, and they got and they got Mr. Juicer himself still out there. So that's gonna help <laughs> that's them out as well, boy. man. So in, in that in that regard, man, I feel very confident in Miles Sanders going forward this season. I think so too. I, I think he's going to be. You know, like you said, a prime candidate for a breakout year. Mm-hmm. You know, this time next year, we could be talking about him as one of the top five running backs in football. I, 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 barring injury, I think so. Yeah. So a little transition here now. He's going to be placing the Redskins defense and the Giants defense. Come on, man. Twice a year, bro. <laughs> you know what, actually? Let's let's get to our last break of the hour here before we wrap up uh, with two defensive players here on this list because I like these conversations. I don't want to cut these short. One hour in the books, another hour to go. You already know the drill. Hour number two, we will continue this conversation. We'll have a little three-question Thursday. Uh-oh. And we'll get to your tweets before we get out of here. So get them in now. At West Steeler at the Body 52. The Body. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Ecstatic. Well, that's good. Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes with you here. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR inside the Electric Factory, hour number two. As we roll along here, talking players poised to have a big 2020 season Arthur Motes to your side of the football to the defensive side finally I know you've been waiting for this huh you could tell what type of people the NFL hires all these offensive lists all these bounce back lists you name all these I mean how's it the top five but not one defensive play you better get on List. Oh, yo, chip. What are we talking about? You know, usually you're the one who's telling me to get it off my chest. It's crazy, on man. On like a Friday rant where I'm could, talking could, about yeah, cuz you do talking about Bill Polian or um you 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 get worked about the up. Macho man or You definitely get worked up. I like it. <laughs> I don't like to get fired up too often, but when I get fired up, you go. I get wound. Yeah. I get jammed. I get and, juiced. And see, my job is to just give you that little push. <laughs> just just give me the little push. <laughs> You're like the dad who knows that his kid can jump off the diving board, right? You yeah, just, gotta, just, just a little, just a little nudge. That's just, it. Just a little nudge one time for him to get over yeah. their fear. <laughs> then I sit here and just proud, spots myself as you get the sweating, and you're like, "I'm telling you, man, you just thought I'm like, ah, yes, we've got him now." How <laughs> sway? How sway? It ain't no Ralph though. <laughs> Listen, me and you can cut these microphones off right now oh, and have, have a conversation like real men. Oh, <laughs> to the defensive side of the football, because, of course, right, there had to be five offensive guys and two defensive guys. Because I ain't got no love mm-hmm. for the defensive side of the football. Nah, never that. Arthur Motes, number six on the list, Khalil Mack. Played 16 games, full 16 games last year. Eight and a half sacks, low for him, lowest since his rookie year. Uh, still five forced fumbles, four passes defensed. Do I think he's going to get better at age 29? Not really. <laughs> I was about to say, uh, what <laughs> is better for Khalil yeah, Mack? Right. But <laughs> do I think he will have statistically and just, you know, eyeball tests with just wow plays and things. Yeah. Wow. Wow plays and things like that. Yeah. I expect Khalil Mack to have more than eight and a half sacks. Certainly. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think, yes, I think that he, it's fact that he is a lock to have a better 2020 than he did 2019. 
Yeah, I agree with that statement. Um, in terms of him increasing those sack numbers, without a doubt, I think a large portion of his success is going to be dictated by the quarterback play. Though. Yes. Is Trubisky going to take the step forward, or is Nick Foles going to emerge and be the guy there? I think that plays largely into his success. The year where he went crazy, you saw their offense. They were leading. Where they were really good. Game. Absolutely. So if, if the offense could take care of business – and just be adequate, just be varsity, just be above the line, just be the line. Just don't kill us. Yeah. <laughs> if they could do that, then absolutely Khalil's max numbers should definitely take off because defensively they still have a ton of pieces. They still have the guys that are around Khalil to make mm-hmm. him be able to do what he's able to do and things like that. So I don't see why he can't improve, but it's solely going to be based on that quarterback position. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Robert Quinn is a nice addition for that defense as well. Huge addition because, I mean, traditionally what you do, if you have one stud guy like that, you're just going to slide protection to him. You're going to chip him. You're going to have tight ends. You're going to have different uh, resources allocated to him. But Robert Quinn, come on, baby. Even when he's not healthy, he's still good. He can can roll out of the bed and get five sacks. Right. Like, that's what Robert Quinn does. Yes, I expect Robert Quinn to have a big impact on that defense. I think Roquan Smith is going to have a nice mm-hmm. season as well, too. And then you go year two with the the new defensive scheme of Chuck Pagano, yes. right? Maybe they've all, they've all picked that up a little bit more. Yeah, so we're both saying fact. Khalil yes. Mack, better 2020 Absolutely. than 2019. Oh, now you want to talk another defensive player. Wow, this is crazy. Well. Well. This is crazy. Chris Harris, cornerback. With the Los Angeles Chargers now. 16 games last year, only one interception, six passes defensed, and 55 tackles. Uh, Last year, you know, Chris Harris was one of those guys that, yeah, not not, uh, Jalen Ramsey or Richard Sherman or Stephon Gilmore, but I think right now, you know, people would argue for him as a top five corner in the game. I think absolutely. Um I guess you could say this about him and Von Miller, right? Like, it's not like they had bad years last year, but new head coach Vic Fangio, mm-hmm. my my favorite head coaching name in the national <laughs> Vic Fangio. Vic. Again, this dude sounds like he should paint the Sistine Chapel, yeah. not coach in the National Football League. Um, they just didn't have the typically dominant seasons that we're used to them, accustomed to seeing them have, right? Um, and maybe some of it was the fact that he – likely knew right that that could be the end of his tenure in denver maybe he was thinking about some other stuff uh, but he's with the chargers now in the same division he did have the contract dispute prior to the season correct he was trying yeah to get the, uh, the extension so, and it just didn't work so out. maybe he was just checked out in a way for right or wrong right maybe mm-hmm. he was just checked out in a way which is realistic it does happen it, it happened <laughs> it Again, like happens. i said like for right or wrong it yeah. happens um i think back with the chargers with that defense with that secondary yeah, I, th- I think Chris Chris Harris, it's a fact he's going to have a better 2020 than he did 2019. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're putting him in a secondary that includes Derwin James. You're having, was it a, he has Joey Bosa there. Correct. Yeah, because Nick is in Sanford. And I was got to make sure I get right. the, yeah. And Ingram there. Correct. So Joey and Ingram, I mean. Desmond King. You you look at the defense. It, <laughs> the Chargers defense reminds me of the newer version of that uh, Broncos defense that Chris left. Yes. Yes. Chris was you one of the, the last. rushers. You got the right. secondary. Chris was one of the last members left there before they all started to get old. Now, obviously, Vaughn is still there, but talking from a secondary standpoint, Chris was one of the last guys remaining. So now he's going to a Chargers team where 
he's essentially going to be the Aqib Tlaib over there, the little older veteran-style player, still successful, but a huge piece to a secondary. So I definitely anticipate him having a far better season um, tackling pass defense and interceptions. Because on that defense with the Chargers, you have to ask yourself, okay, who are you going at? Are you going at the all-pro Desmond King? No. Are you going at the all-pro Derwin James? No. So you're going to take your chances with Chris Harris. Good luck. Good luck. And yeah. you also know you have a speeded, uh, uh, a hurried-up clock in your mind because, you know, you have two bookends who can get after it. I mean, because we You're going to have to be year. able to run the ball against the Chargers to Correct. have success this year. Because even with Denver last year, Vaughn didn't have the season that – and I thought he would be a candidate on this list as well mm-hmm. in terms of bouncing back. Mm-hmm. He didn't have the season that you would have anticipated him having. Bradley Chubb, um, I mean, I just think like both of those guys, they it's did a little it. sophomore yes. slump for Bradley yes, Chubb. Absolutely, especially after that first year because that first year was insane. Very good. So I think that played a role in Chris Harris' lack of productivity as well. Mm-hmm. Because now quarterbacks weren't having to, sure. man, I got to get it out right now. I got to hurry up. Whereas Even the best corner can only correct. cover for, for a few seconds. Correct. Yeah. Whereas Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, they, yeah, they are ready. They're coming after you. No question. Yeah. No question. Yeah, I think Chris Harris, that's a great pickup by the Chargers. You kind of alluded to it there with, with so much of the young talent that they have. It reminds you a lot of when Aqib Tlaib came to the Broncos, mm-hmm. and that Broncos secondary was very talented but very young, and Aqib Tlaib was kind of the stabilizing factor, you know, the glue to bring that unit together. Yeah, I think Chris Harris, a great pickup by the Chargers. I wonder, now I'm thinking, right, because you did do, there was a little swapping between Chargers and Broncos, right? Cliff Harris goes yeah. from Broncos to Chargers. Melvin Gordon goes from Chargers to Broncos. Cliff Harris. Chris, oh, Chris, Chris Harris. Harris. Sorry, I was like, yeah, I Cliff. said Cliff. Wait a minute. It's like, who is this guy? Chris Harris. He has a nickname? Yes, that's what me and his good friends call him Cliff. Oh, okay. All right, okay. Uh, Chris Harris from Denver to L.A., Melvin Gordon from L.A. to Denver. Who's that work out better for? Chris Harris. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, <laughs> come on, man. I mean, shoot, Melvin's going to Denver. He probably wouldn't be the feature back there because they <laughs> still got Philip He's going to be sucking air like, all the time. Come on, man. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think uh, Chargers, one of those teams – the quarterback play, you know, there, there's the question I'm, I'm a there. lot more confident, though, because they have Tyrod Taylor. He's a yeah. guy who's already been in their system. He's very familiar with Anthony Lynn. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I want to say they had they spent time together in Buffalo prior they to did. that That's as well. Right. Yeah, yes. good call. Yep, so even in that regard, I'm very confident in Tyrod Taylor if it were to be him for a long span this mm-hmm. season because, obviously, Justin uh, Herbert, he isn't going to have the opportunity to do the OTAs and get up to speed like he needs to. It's going to so be I'm, unique for rookies this I, year. I'm a lot regard. more comfortable with the Chargers situation than I am with, say, the Cincinnati Bengals situation. Yes. Even though Joe Burrow's number one overall pick, you need to be in these practices. You need to get used to this level, this speed. Like I said, you need to get used to leading men. And at least at least Herbert has Tyrod Taylor, Correct, right? To like, help him. Who does Burrow have they, now? And they got rid of Andy Dalton. So in that regard, they don't have anyone. And, and Ryan Finley or whatever right. his name is going to show Joe Burrow and, the ropes. And it's a big difference between leading college kids and leading men. College kids, I mean, you walk in there, you're the senior, you're the junior, you're all world. They're going to respect you. They're going to listen to everything you say. You come to the NFL, I mean, there's guys in there 10-plus years that are making what now, especially now, making more than what you're making. So it's a different level of 
of responsibility in terms of trying to lead these guys to a different level of trying to understand how to relate to all sure. these guys. In college, you might have one guy on your team that has a kid. In the NFL, you're going to have multiple guys with wives, children, families, girlfriends, who knows what else. So it's just a different element to that. And I think that's why you might see a lot of those younger players struggling in that regard, especially the younger quarterbacks. But with the Chargers, them having Tyrod Taylor, that's a huge, huge benefit. He's a professional quarterback. Absolutely. And he's from yeah. the 757. So well, there we, there now I that. know why you like so him. So there's that. Now, former, Shout out to the crew. 757, former Bill. Now I know why you like that yeah, guy. That's my so boy, man. It's all making sense. Uh, last one of these seven names here. Chris Harris, Khalil Mack, Miles Sanders, Sony Michelle. Seven names, only two defenses. Wow. Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, Juju Smith-Schuster. If you were in Vegas, which we know isn't happening right now because nobody's in Vegas. Oh, man. If you were in Vegas and you could play, you could place a chip down on one of these guys, who's going to have the biggest 2020 season? <sighs> biggest 2020 season. Man, it's funny because all of them have, like, outside variables. <laughs> um, but if I had to really go, I would probably say Miles Sanders. I think so, too. And then I think I might have Khalil Mack second. Yeah, because they're the ones who control their variables the most. Yes. It, right. And I think right. that's where I would go with this. Whereas, like, Juju is still going to be predicated on Ben and Ben remaining healthy. And establishing some run game. Absolutely. And, yeah. and James Conner remaining healthy. It's a lot more variables in that department. Where we expect just Miles Sanders can just get better. Right. Because he was already really good in a very, very bad situation last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm fully anticipating that offense to be drastically improved just by health alone. So in that regard, man, I think it's less that Miles has to worry about in terms of him being able to do what he does. Same with Khalil Mack. Now, Khalil... I was excited, and I was really contemplating seeing him, but I feel like his question mark, even though it was only one, it's a lot bigger in terms of it being the quarterback play with Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles. That's, I mean, I think yeah, that's a big, big question mark. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Speaking of question marks, oh, I got three of them for you next segment. Uh-oh, we're back with three question Thursday when we return. I've got some good ones here for Arthur Motes, and – I don't do this very often, but I'm going to tell you one of them. It's related to grilling and smoking meats. Hey! All right. So there's your little tease to get you to come back with us. All right, three-question Thursday. Next, keep those tweets rolling in. Another 45 minutes of the show here, so stick with us. Hour number two inside the Electric Factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler at Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A little three-question Thursday here on a Thursday for Arthur Motes as we... Uh, Today's Thursday? Today is Thursday. Oh, I didn't know that. I know, well, you're right. Today's just today, right? Because, yeah. again, there's only three days I was going to say, quarantine. why do you have to classify days now? Why can't it just be... Yesterday, today, today and, and tomorrow. tomorrow. That's it. And like we're still in March, right? It's like this whole March. month has just been Mar-April-A. Yeah, it's always March. Mar-April-A. Like in is my the mind, name of this month. In my mind, it's always my birthday weekend because that's when everything started to happen. Yeah? Yeah. I remember Ooh. sitting at our, I was sitting at Condado Taco 
on March 13th. Okay. <clears throat> which would have been a Friday. Is that the one in Lawrenceville? Uh, no, the one downtown. Okay, okay. And I was like, man, you know, my birthday is the 14th, which would have been that Saturday. I was going to go out, you know, obviously St. Paddy's Day. Sure. Because I'm, I'm Irish Put in my mind. Put your green shirt on. I was ready. In my mind, I was Irish. Well, you got the red hair and, and the freckles and, and everything. And, of course, who would have known that was my last time eating at a restaurant <sighs> for the next couple of however long it's been. Yeah, it's been over two months now. So in my mind, it's always that day. I just paused it, and I'm just stuck there forever. Yeah, I got the birthday in, end of February, mm. and I was in Indy during the Combine. Went to- You talking about the Combine that you left me at? That one? Didn't you, listen, you been you didn't take me to the Combine in 2010, you know? You know, I didn't I didn't get the official <laughs> invite. I got the, the second invite. You know, you got like the first wave of invites. Really? Yeah, it was the first wave of invites. I didn't, I didn't get my invite until it would have been middle of January. So wait, so were you like the Pro Bowl, the guy who gets added to the Pro Bowl at the last minute? Essentially, yeah. So so the wow. way the way the combine works is they'll do their initial invite list, right? It's only like 200 to 250 that, right, that yeah. they do initially. Mm-hmm. Then after the season, typically right right when the senior bowl is about to happen, they'll do another wave okay. of Invites. These are for the guys who had like breakout senior seasons or guys who really took off. Sure. And more people want to see them. And ultimately, that's what happened to me. So I already was successful my junior year and I was on NFL teams radars. But apparently you have to have a certain amount of votes from the Blisto uh, scouting department. Okay. So is that who does the yes. invites? Okay. Yes. So And once they figure out, OK, enough teams want to see this guy, then they do the invite. So literally beforehand, I didn't have that list. And then. I'm literally already training because you're always anticipating, like, if I don't go combine, I'm going to still go pro day. So you, I'm already, like, training in Jersey where I was at. <clears throat> and two of the guys there already had invites. But then it was probably three of us that ended up getting invites, <clears throat> like, right at that last, like, sure. January time frame, right before the combine started. How did you know? Like, did, was it a phone call? Was it in the mail? No, no. So um, my – my agent told okay. me first, and then from there I got, like, the official letter. But obviously during that time I was still new to the whole mailing thing. So it went to my college apartment that okay. I still had. Okay. But I was in Jersey training. So literally my agent told me, hey, you got the invite. This is going to be happening. Boom, boom, boom. And from there I was already having conversations with people who already had invites. So my roommate, when I was training, he already had his invite early before the season started. So he was helping me out, let me know, sure. like, hey, this is what you need. This is what you got to worry about. Da 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 da. We kind of went from there. That's that had to be an exciting day when it you was, got, when it you got was. that phone call. Yeah, but it, it's you know me. I always find a reason to be mad. So <laughs> and, like I was like, I was way. excited, but I'm like the fact that I had to wait that long, and the fact that I felt it was other guys who were less deserving that had already had the initial combine invite. I felt some type of way about it. But ultimately, that's why when I went to the combine, I made sure I performed the way I did and did every drill because I wanted to put. A, a emphasis on you thought this guy was better or you thought that guy was more important that you wanted to see him over me. You gave this guy's invite in November. November, December. He was good. I was stressing. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that whole situation. You were like Michael man. Jordan, though. Every, Absolutely, everybody, everybody did you wrong and you had a list. Oh, no question. No question. <laughs> which, speaking of which, uh, yesterday on the phone, uh, uh, you know, I produced Crowley's show yesterday. Guess who called in? Jordan? No. Oh. But one of the guys that in the documentary Jordan notoriously got upset at and used his motivation, former head coach of the Utah Jazz, George Carl was on yes. with Crowley yesterday. 
And that was one of the things they talked about. Shout out to Crowley. I know, right? George Carl's from Pittsburgh. Did you know that? I did not know that. Penn Hills grad. Oh, okay. So that's connection. So Crowley Crowley played the angle. Because I was about to say, is he a WU guy or something? Am I missing the angle? Tar Heel. Tar Heel, okay. Um, And it's funny, too. He shared a story about how, you know, being the high school basketball player in Pittsburgh, I didn't have a ton of hype, you know, because Pittsburgh was more of the football hotbed, it wasn't the basketball hotbed. But they used to still have that uh, the Dapper Dan Round Ball Classic, yeah, at the Civic Arena, okay, at the every yeah. year, and because that was the big like all the guys, it was the yes, meeting spot. That's right? what I heard. Everybody like all the Midwest, there. all mm-hmm. the the Northeast, you know, the New York and the yeah. Boston kids, and all the Chicago and mm-hmm. the Midwest kids. Big, like big Pittsburgh tournament. was the yes. meeting point, and all the you know the Southern Carolina kids, and he balled out at that tournament and had offers from Duke and UNC and Maryland, and I think. He said Illinois or Iowa was yeah. was the other one. Did James Madison offer him, or they probably they probably <laughs> overlooked him? So did WVU, unfortunately. So it's all good, man. It happens. Um, but Crowley asked him about that. You know, Michael Jordan saying that uh, you didn't say hello to him. You know, and that upset yeah. him. And George was like, "Listen, Michael would have found any way to motivate himself. If hey. I would have said hello to him, he would have been upset." Oh, absolutely. So, hey, I'm telling you for a fact. I remember every game. <laughs> oh, okay. We, they won the toss. They elected to receive the ball. So you don't think that we can stop you. Now I feel some type of way about this. Now you're disrespecting me. Oh, they they, they won the toss, the and they're kicking the ball. Oh, so now you so don't you feel like – You bad. feel like your defense is better than my defense. You think y'all go ahead and make a statement. Yeah. Or or he, he ain't speak to me. I got an issue. He don't respect me. Oh, he spoke to me. Oh, so he think it's sweet over here. He yep. think I'm soft. He, he can just come say what up to me like that. Nah, player. Absolutely, bro. There is no right answer. <laughs> Ever. There, there's no right answer. Ever. George Carl, said, George Carl said I could have bought Michael Jordan a beer, and he would have said, oh, what? You think I'm a Budweiser guy? Right, right. Oh, you ain't, Why you buy me the Corona? So I can't drink a Heineken? I can't afford my own beer? Like, like, I need your money? I need your – do I look a charity case? Oh, like, do, I, do I look like a light beer guy to you? I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I, 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 100% because if, even if I would have got the invite to the combine early in November, it would have been – well, shoot! You didn't think I could have came out as a junior? Mm-hmm. So, so you want to wait to see me as a senior? Like, who the JMU got like, here? Like, what's up? What, it was because I'm small school. Like, what, what you trying to say here? So, <laughs> there is no right answer. I love it. I love it. But there are correct answers to three question Thursday. Hey, hey. hey. So here we go, Arthur Motes. Let's uh, do it. This one I thought of along the lines of kind of the uh, conversation that we were having about some of these guys in their 2019 versus their 2020. Okay. And these guys are, are three of them are linked in a way. All right, so Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, mm-hmm. you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame tight end, now down in Tampa Bay. Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle, mm. okay, coming off the Super Bowl appearance, great season. George Kittle, we, you know, think that he could be on that Hall of Fame-type trajectory if his career continues as it is. Jimmy G, obviously the tie-in being in New England with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. So, Arthur Motes, I'm going to ask you this very simple Yet very loaded question oh, because man. you can choose to answer it and evaluate it however you want. Who has a better season in 2020? Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski? Oh, or Jimmy G and George Kittle. All right, all right, all right. Um, and again, you can qualify better season however you want to. You know do what? It. I'm gonna roll with Garoppolo and Kittle. I think even though Brady is still hot, I still think that Brady can go out there and produce at a big-time level. I do think he has more offensive weapons, so that means Gronk is not going to be the sole focus like he was in New England. In New England, they didn't have receivers like how they're going to have in Tampa. Granted, they had uh, Randy Moss for the the year that he was there, and that's fine. But in terms of – 
outside of Moss, who was Brady's number one receiver? Julian Edelman, who was a slot. Wes Welker, slot receiver, small receivers. He has big-time toys down there with Mike Evans and Chris Goodwin. Mm-hmm. So when I look at that – I mean, Goodwin, I said – I mean, Godwin, excuse Godwin. me. There yeah, you go. Chris I'm Godwin. rubbing off on you. Yeah, because yeah. I always think Goodwin, but then I'm always thinking Godwin Good. from the – I know. There's everyone's, CJ Godwin everyone's got here. the I'm same like, names. Gosh, and, like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's tough. I We know yeah. what you mean. Though. Yeah, but but when I think of that, I'm saying to myself, man, Brady is going to have more pieces to use. Whereas when I look at Garoppolo and San Fran, Kittle's it's not, his guy. Right. He's it, got nice pieces. No, but he does. Kittle's he does. his guy. And, and I look at the fact that the style of offense, it features Kittle. That West Coast Correct. style timing, misdirection. Mm-hmm. That, Get him in space. Right. That yeah. doesn't feature receivers. I mean, and, and even when Emmanuel Sanders was there and he was having a ton of success, Debo Samuels as well, they still were never the featured guys. The offense is featured around Kittle. Kittle and running the ball. So I think that's why they're going to have the better numbers and have ultimately the better statistical season. Now, who do I think wins the NFC? That's a different conversation. But I do think that San Fran, in terms of Garoppolo and Kittle, are going to have the better – will be the better QB tight end duo in 2020. I think they'll have a better team record. And I think, yeah, Kittle's numbers will be yeah. better than than Gronk's numbers. But it's hard to say a better team record because I do think the NFC West is stacked. It is stacked. I think it's more stacked than the NFC South. They're both really good divisions. Yeah. Because really I, I look at I say, Cardinals okay, are going to get better. Yeah, I say worst team in the NFC South is what, Carolina maybe? Yeah, first-year head coach. They're going Carolina. through a bit of a transition. But you got three other right. capable teams in but that division. But when I look at the NFC West, I say – The Rams might be the worst team in that division. And they were playing scary. for the Super Bowl. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> they were coming off a Super Bowl appearance right. this time last year. Right, so yeah. that, that's my only thing. I'm like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point by you. Uh, but I, I think I'm with you. I, I'll yeah. give the I give the slight nod to to Jimmy G and to and to George K. Three question Thursday. Question number two. Arthur Motes, if you could replace any analyst in the sports world, who would it be, and why? Paul Pierce. Whoa! What? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> if you could replace any sports analyst in the world, get him up out of here or her. Who would it be? And why, Paul? Oh man, that's funny. Gosh, um, Arthur Motes. Paul Pierce said that LeBron James is not in his top five basketball yeah, players of all time. Okay, <laughs> if you wanted to make that argument, whatever. Paul Pierce played listen, in the NBA. Listen. I didn't, but he said because LeBron James never elevated an organization to be an all-time top five great. You got to truly elevate an organization, so right? Like Michael, like Michael Jordan, like Bill Russell, and then he names three Lakers. He has Kobe ahead of LeBron because, again, LeBron didn't elevate an organization, but Kobe was a Laker after Magic and Kareem. Wow. And Kobe had Shaq during that time as well. Yeah. Like, cut it out. Yeah. Paul Pierce is just a hater. Kobe. You know what Paul Pierce reminds me of? So you know when you got such a hater. So, so you know you have that horse and, and you love the horse. The horse has been very successful, but the, the horse finally like gets injured and you got to take him around back and put him out of his misery. Paul Pierce is the human version of the horse. I mean, he had a ton of success. You loved him for a little while. Then he kind of fell off, and now it's like, all right, he, he he's down bad. We need to go ahead and put him out of his misery. Paul, just stop. What, what are we doing just here? Just stop, Paul. What are we doing just here? Just stop. I love Kobe Bryant. I like Kobe more than LeBron. Like, just, you know, like from growing up and everything. Mm-hmm. He's not better than LeBron. He's just not. And don't tell me it's LeBron's out there because he never elevated an organization. And then have Kobe there who who 
never elevated an organization either because he was a Laker already part of one of the My greatest organizations. What, so what did LeBron do in Cleveland if that's not elevating right. the organization? Right. A am I missing something here? They had never been to a finals before he got there, right, and took them there as a 22-year-old. And then he left, came back, and took them to what, three more in a row? Or was it four more? Uh, It was three. No, no it was, was four. It four? It was four. They lost the first year when Kyrie got hurt, mm -hmm. won the second year, and then mm -hmm. lost back-to-back to, back to uh, Durant. To Durant. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Four in a row. Yeah. That's not elevating no franchise? That's not elevating a franchise. What did he do to Miami? Miami had won that, that championship with Shaq and Dwayne Wade, and they went on a hiatus. They were trash for a they while. They were like an eight seed every year yes. in the playoffs. Trash. And then he took them to, what, four in a row? One, two back-to-back -back there? I, I mean, am I missing something here? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Paul, stop hating. I, I Paul, you didn't you didn't even uh, elevate yours. You got carried with, right. with, with exactly. Garnett and, and Ray Allen. And again, you came into a Celtics organization that had what, like 11 banners hanging yeah. in the rafters? Like, what are you talking about? Like, like, like dude, I said Kobe came in on the tail end of, of like after Magic and Kareem. You're not even talking about Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and all those Come guys that on, came before man. them. <laughs> Paul, you, you're, you're reaching. Listen. If there is one debate I think that is not worth having in basketball, it's that the two best basketball players of all time are Michael Jordan and LeBron James, and then it's everybody else. Yes. Is that hey, fair? I, I agree, but I just love how because people, like I said, LeBron is very polarizing. People love to find different ways to try to get creative with their they hatred. Do. Next and is going to be— And I used to be one of those. I got to confess. Oh, no, 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 man. You know what? Man, Bill Russell better than LeBron. Oh, okay, okay. Because right. he's got more rings? Okay, okay. <laughs> Larry Bird, I'll take Larry Bird away. Okay, okay, all right. You can tell me to see you're blue in the face, but if we were starting a game with a pickup basketball right now, you're not picking Larry Bird or Bill Russell or anybody else outside of Jordan. You're not picking any of those guys over LeBron James. And if you do, that's fine because I'm going to blast you with LeBron. Right. It's that simple. And, in fact, all those old guys that people like to say, if we're pick, doing one of those pickup yeah. game styles that you just – people would take Kevin Durant over those guys too. Not even close. Because he's six foot eleven. Come on, bro. <laughs> can shoot three. Like, it knocks me out. It, it, it just it blows my mind when I hear some of this stuff, man. Yeah. It blows my mind. But if I had to think of an analyst outside of Paul Pierce, because that's the simple one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Paul Pierce. Yes. You liked how I entered that to you. I did, though. I did, man. Um, if you could get any sports analyst in the world up out of here, who would it be and why Paul Pierce? <laughs> Jeez, I think it would be. See, this is it's hard because I, I, the people that I might name, I still like. And I you don't, I, you don't have to put anybody to the fire. I didn't mean I to like actually. I didn't mean to actually like make you name some names here. I was just trying to make that. I was just trying to get my Paul Pierce jokes off. Yeah, Paul Pierce sucks though. <laughs> Last one here. Three question Thursday. Question number three. Arthur Motes. Your Memorial Day weekend grilling plans, sir. Mm. Let's see. I just did wings the other night. Did burgers last night. It's probably gonna be some type of ribs, man. I'm feeling. I'm feeling the pork ribs. Yep. Are you a pork rib guy? Or are you I a am beef a pork rib, rib guy. guy. Now, okay. granted, I like beef ribs too. Yeah. But if you're making me choose one, I go. Pork. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pork rib type of guy, yeah. man. So it's probably gonna like, be that, man. I feel like the only good beef rib, like the time, the only times I've ever like. You know, taking a bite of a beef rib and, and been blown away, like right. I am with pork ribs often, mm -hmm. is like when they're done professionally at there's, like a high end barbecue. There's only place. been one person to cook a beef rib that I've liked. That Who's was that? Joy Porter. Yeah, like that, <laughs> that was it. Like, yeah. That was Joy Porter. I, that was it, bro. There's a place uh, in Philadelphia yeah. called Fete Sal, a barbecue okay. place that Morgan and I used to go to all the yeah. time we were living there. They did their beef ribs phenomenally. Yeah. But other it, than that, obviously, everybody knows like Julian is cooking, is grilling. I mean, he's mm -hmm. been talked about in magazines, yep. all that type of stuff. Yep. Like, 
he does that. And he was actually the first person to grill at my house. When I built really? my new house, I had the, the, the linebackers come over and stuff like that. And he and just threw it yeah, down? Yeah, he threw it down. And ever since then, I'm like, I've never tasted a beef rib that tastes that good. So Probably had the smoke ring and everything on Dude, it. And, and the funny thing is, he he did it. Like, I had a nice grill, and he had a little old-school single great single crate charcoal grill. The little one with the black top. And he went can, to town. If said, you can bro, go to you, town on one of those, yeah, you are an expert. Yeah, I said, dude, the fact that you made this off of that, wow. So Don Juan says on Twitter, he makes us want to fire up his grill. He's waiting until Monday. That's all right. I'm going to hit it on Monday. Rack of ribs, rack of pork ribs, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do a, uh, a pork shoulder, a little pulled pork for the mm-hmm. wife because okay, okay. that's her favorite. See, I don't discriminate, man. I don't want to just wait till Monday. I'm going to cook every I, – I, actually, it's funny. Shout out to the quarantine. I've literally – I went from cooking maybe – Five times out the year to me cooking, what, seven days a week? Yeah. Five of them, six yeah. of them? Like, seriously, man. I, Breakfast, dinner, like, yeah. yeah. I wasn't as li- – like, I, I cooked, but not as much as I've been cooking these yeah. past these past two months, man. Say for me, man, like, I always could cook. I just never felt like, man, I want to do this right now. I don't really Invest have the time, time for it. Like, but now with this freedom, I'm like, oh, I'm going to record this show. Hey, babe, I got you. Kick your feet up. <laughs> my 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 oldest has turned into my bartender. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I've taught I've taught her how to mix my drinks, and now she's like, "Dad, are you ready?" I'm like, "Yes, babe. I'm firing it up." When when she sees me go outside and turn the when propane you smell on, the smoke. when she she's like, "Oh, I got you, Dad. Here I come." I'm like, "That's my girl." So yeah, that's where it. we're at now, You're man. Doing things right at the Moats compound. Yep. <laughs> One more segment to go here. When we come back and wrap up, you know the drill. We'll get to your tweets. So get them in now. Last chance at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes getting to the tweets here. Hey, love the tweets, baby. Our buddy Thrash, appreciate this. The Uh, metal guy. He just tagged us in a tweet that just came out 30 minutes here uh, from uh, the NFL Network. It looks like NFL clubs today received updated playing rules change proposals. Most interesting amongst them, an alternative to the onside kick that would allow a team a chance to maintain possession by going for it on 4th and 15th. Oh, a little XFL. From their own 25-yard line, if they complete the 4th and 15, they continue the drive. Sounds like support for this idea is growing. Thrash wants to know our thoughts. I like that more than the onside kick. I do as well, it's man. It's more entertaining, I think. And it's a lot safer. I tell you what, man. <laughs> I almost lost my life on onside kick, man. And and I wasn't the guy going for the ball. I was on the dummy team. The hey, you're gonna line up in front and take the block. Like oh, oh, okay. I'm gonna take this dude. I'm gonna block him. Yep. He's running full speed and like a yeah. wedge, like the wedge buster. Almost. Essentially, yeah. yes. It's not a good, not not good at all, man. That's not the role that you yes. want to find. And then, and then I've been on the other end where I was trying to go recover the one side kick and I got fired on because I'm looking at the ball and not the guy in front of me. I hate the one side kick play. It's dangerous, man. I'm telling you. Special teams is just dangerous in general. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I feel like it's a place for special teams. Sure. But man, one side kick, you can get, you can go right to the to Fort Pitt to the bridge and dump that thing right into Monagalela. <laughs> 
You know, I <laughs> still <laughs> I still haven't learned how to say that <laughs> word. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> but you throw it in that little river right there, all right? <laughs> but I think this is more competitive, man. I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, it is. It's more footballs. Yes, you know? and, and the thing is this. More football so prior centric. to last year where they made the adjustments to this uh to the alignments mm-hmm. on kickoff. Prior to that, yeah, you still had a possibility of recovering an onside kick, even though the percentage was still low. But last year when they changed it to what they changed it to, I mean, the the numbers, the percentages went down even further. Now, granted, you had the outlier. I think it was that Saints game where they recovered it like three times. Yeah. I still I, I call that malpractice by yeah. the, the receiving Correct. team because there's no way that should ever happen. But I think this makes it more competitive. And if you are a believer in your best player should – control the outcome of the game Mm -hmm. let me either get this ball back or receive this ball by my defense or my offense making a statement i mean because you're gonna have some people saying well hey man this gives offenses the chance to do i'm like no it also gives the defense a chance to close out the game yes if you were the Steelers last year would you have wanted this game to man i hope they recover the kick or would you say hey minka fitzpatrick bud dupree tj white go out there and end it like i'm I'm with that mindset yes it's it's just more Football, right? Yes. Like, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo special teams and and the kickers no, and, like and said, everything they, that they goes into that. And you can never get rid of special teams. I feel like right. the field goal kicking are huge. Punting, punt return is huge, and kickoff and kickoff return are huge. Yes, but these specialty situations where so much that's what they are. They're specialty situations. Absolutely, I think this is where you say, you know what? Yes, let's alter this a little bit. To give these guys a fourth and fifteen, it's still not an easy thing to do, and they're going to the percentage to, on that's going to be right. crazy low too. They'll point to the fact, well, you saw Mahomes in the Super Bowl, he did this and did that. I'm like, those are one offs though, and it's a reason why those plays are spectacular because they don't happen often. Yeah. So when you throw in that four, fourth and fifteen element, I think that plays a huge part. But I think they would need to look into it a little bit more in terms of when. It should be allowed to be a fourth and fifteen. Are we talking just fourth quarter under two minutes, mm. or are you talking, hey, first quarter I want to steal a possession, like mm. how we were doing in Pittsburgh? We were going for two, way more than going for one because we knew at our offense we could continue to put up points, and it worked out. Is it one of the situations like that? Because obviously, if that's the case, you're going to get these high-powered offenses that say, you know what, bump that. Let's go for let's go for it every time. Go for it every time. I mean, worst case, if, if, if we they, get it fifty percent of the time, yeah, come on now, we're still in possessions here. Yeah. And I think that's huge, but the one negative is obviously you lose the element of surprise with the surprise onside kick now. That changes unless you're doing it from a base kickoff alignment. Right. But other than that, I mean, I think this is something that could definitely work. I think so, too. It, it, it'll be more entertaining. Without a doubt. And that's the bottom line of sports, baby. And that's the bottom line. Entertain me. The lit one, Rebecca. Lit, lit, lit. We missed you, Rebecca. Where have you been? I know. She says, getting to hear you guys live today, giving me life. I may have missed it, but what's the schedule looking like? I mean, yeah, you did miss it, Rebecca. Come on, Rebecca. Where have you been? But you know what it's looking like? 16-0. I was going to say. I'm 16-0. 19-0. No, no, no. 25-0 because we got five preseason games. However many games you want to count. 24-0. I mean, that's where I'm at. You know, Rebecca, I looked at the schedule. I went through it with a fine-tooth comb, 15-1. and one. Like, for me, man. Because I'm, they're going to rest Ben week 17 against the Brands. So, Rebecca, when we talked about this schedule, I said for me personally, I'm done looking at the schedule from a media person standpoint. I'm done being analytical. I'm done being not biased. I said for me, 
I'm looking at it as if I was playing still. Mm-hmm. And when I played, 16 and up. when I played, it was always 16. And I said, man, Rebecca, how would you have felt if I would have went into a season saying to myself, man, I think we're going to lose like four of these games. <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't want that. You would be upset with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that same energy. I'm keeping that same energy, Rebecca. I like it. And I'm taking it to the airways, and I'm saying 16 and 0. You keep that same energy. I'll go 15 and 1. <laughs> he's, he's more humble than me. <laughs> Last one here, Lil J and B, our our guy, Lil J and B, 55. That's my guy. Chris Collins saying the commentator that he would mm-hmm. like to get up out of here. I realize a lot of Steelers fans don't like Chris Collins, and there's the Cincinnati Bengals mm-hmm. angle playing into this too, certainly. I, I can understand why Chris Collins annoys some people. And I think in some ways he does play favorites. I mean, but here's a guy. But here's a guy. Here's a guy that he started out playing I, for Cincinnati and transitioned <laughs> to the NFL. I mean, it's it's kind of remarkable when you think about what he's been able to accomplish. You, you know what I'm saying, Wes? You, you, you feel me I on know, that? I feel you on that one. I mean, I mean but with this guy. <laughs> I, my thing with Collinsworth is, do I think he's perfect? No. But have I have – I, Sat through much worse. Like, if you watch Monday Night Football over the last wow. two, does any was anybody listening to Jason Witten in that role? <laughs> like, you know, I, I I agree that it's sometimes Collinsworth can you know can be a little annoying, but I think he is still better than a lot of Steelers fans like to give him credit for. I'll say this too, Motsi. It's not just Steelers fans. Every there's two commentators that every fan base thinks hates their team. It's Chris Collinsworth. Mm-hmm. Every football fan base thinks he hates their team, except for the Bengals, probably. <laughs> or in the Patriots. Cause <laughs> and the Patriots, yes. that's right. And uh, the, the second one is Joe Buck. Every baseball fan thinks Joe Buck hates their team. <laughs> Every football fan thinks Joe Buck hates their team. Every single one. Listen, man, I'm going to tell y'all, honestly, man, when you talk about Collinsworth, as a guy who's done color commentary, as a guy who's new to that field, as a guy who's actually done some of the broadcast boot camps, the who's who of broadcasting people, mm-hmm. they view Collinsworth as the best in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Romo is like the new wave and the younger crowd are liking him a lot, but Collinsworth. And you're talking in terms of the color commentary. The color commentary yeah. part, yep. yeah, not play by play. Right. But it's like, man, with Collinsworth, he speaks very clear so you can hear him. He his his analysis is top notch. He does a really good job of explaining, but not dumbing it down too much like Booger. Like Booger McFarlane, yes. he would dumb it down too much, and that's always that fine You've line. You've got to toe that line between yes. you speaking to the casual football fan but, and the hard court. Correct. That's the hardest part of that's the job. That's super hard to do. But what Collinsworth, what he brings is that. Now, you're definitely going to have some of the opinionated issues but that's just with each personality. Right. I mean, I always laugh at how certain people, they get in the booth and they talk as if they were Hall of Famers first ballot. And you're like, well, your play didn't really back that up. But to each his own. So for me, I look at things like that where I have issues where some, like you said, fans that say, well, this guy's always very critical of our performances or he's very critical of our personnel. From an unbiased standpoint, could you blame him for being critical of these players? Sometimes that's all I'm saying. Like. Sure. But it's it's hard for us to take those glasses off sometimes and, and view it from that perspective. You know who was so good at that, too, before you got back into football? John Lynch was such a good oh, yes. color analyst yeah. because he could explain it to you. If you knew football really mm-hmm. well or if you were football 101, it made sense. Yeah. I, Joe Klatt does a real – my mm-hmm. favorite broadcast team in any sport is Gus Johnson and Joe Klatt doing college mm-hmm. football, the, the, the big game on Fox yeah. Saturdays. 
Because Gus Johnson, just his play by play is incredible. Joel Klatt's Top notch, so man. good at the, Top notch. the analysis. For me, man, I like anything with Pat McAfee. There you go. I'll take yeah. Pat. Yeah. A, a little electric. Where'd he go to school? Plum High School. Hey, there we go. Went easy one for you out of there. Uh, Rebecca follows up with us, the lit one. She says, LOL, I meant your radio schedule, but I like the way oh, you think. That too. <laughs> All right. Rebecca, good news. We're back on every day at noon. Yes. Well, except for tomorrow. Except for tomorrow. Yeah. Because we got issues we got to do. We got stuff we got to handle tomorrow. We got some, we got some things we got to handle tomorrow. Housekeeping. All, all good. Housekeeping. All right, I don't want anybody out there yeah, yeah, yeah. to worry. All housekeeping. good. But we got some housekeeping things tomorrow. Yeah. We will not be on air tomorrow. Uh, and I don't think Monday with the holiday either. But next week. We're rolling. Every non-holiday and tomorrow. Yes. We're 12 to 2 I don't know. PM. Are we doing a show on Monday? I don't know. I was planning. So, you know, I don't care. I'm okay, always maybe, down. Well, I'm maybe. always down for the get down. You know me, baby. Maybe we'll do a show on Monday. Okay. But anyways, yeah. Rebecca and everyone else listening, noon to 2. Uh, you know, there'll be the occasional so, days so, throughout so the summer that, that we'll means, miss. But noon so, to so 2 every day, So when they say baby. when they say noon to 2, that means that the radio show will start at 12 o'clock, which is noon. Yes. And it will go until 2 p.m. That was my Booker McFarlane right there. When you say noon to 2, that's what they're implying right there, that the show is going to start at 12 p.m., not a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to go until 2 p.m., and they're going to talk on the radio because that's what they do with their their radio show. You know, radio shows are held on the radio. Yeah, and that's how they work. You, you know, Wes? <laughs> and right on cue, Joseph, right on cue, Joseph chimes in and says, Booger has to go. <laughs> it was a fun show. It was a fun week. Our first kind of full week back. Yes, I know we're not. Uh, we're out tomorrow, but our kind of first full week Well, technically, here. it is a holiday weekend, so that's right. take that's it how right. you want to take it. We're taking a four-day weekend, baby. Yeah. Um, Thanks to everybody for chiming in. You know we love the tweets, the feedback. It's it's gaining traction here more and more as more people are finding out. Again, mm-hmm. noon to two, we're back for the foreseeable future. As long as this kind of the NFL, we're waiting out to figure out what's going on. We're not worried about the NFL. We're doing it because we want to do it. How about right. that? How about right. that? That's right. But till, until we figure out like what training camp is going to look like and what a broadcast schedule around training camp could look like, Moats we're not worried I, about that either. We go to noon to two. That's listen, right. we're we gonna go till we island. till we don't feel like going to noon to two anymore. How about that? That's right. Huh. Huh. We're gonna go noon to two weekdays every day until we tell them we're done. Yeah. <laughs> till we tell them we're, we don't feel it like it anymore. <laughs> We in charge. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Moats, it was a fun week, buddy. Always enjoy baby. the holiday weekend with the fam. Likewise. And uh, all the power grid, the megawatts out there, you guys as well too. Everybody, listen. Be smart this weekend, okay? But, you know, like, go outside. You know, like, get out of the house. I'm not saying don't go and, to crowded. Unless it's raining and thunder and lightning, don't, don't go, go outside. Yeah, then. yeah. Don't go, don't go to crowded places, all right, and touch everybody and, and, you know, cough and sneeze on each other, all right? But everybody, get out of the house a little bit. Enjoy the weather. Whatever it is that you do for your mental health, all right? If it's going on a run, if it's like Moats and I down on a bunch of drinks while you're sitting next to a grill, work, take some time for yourself. Enjoy the weather. Make it feel like the start of summer. Because we all need that in this country right now. Again, mm-hmm. while being safe and smart at the same time. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Boom! And thanks for that just nasty image you put in my brain of coughing and sneezing on people. It's just, I threw up on my mouth a little bit when you said that. Well, now I got to get out of here before Moats coughs and sneezes <laughs> on me. Jeez. That'll do it for this week, knuckleheads. All right, I'm not uh, I'm not Michael Wilbon here. That'll do it for this week. We'll talk to Yins next week. Same time. Same place. High noon, and as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.